Psalm 60, making our way through the hymn book of the Old Testament, songs for God's people written by God's people, for God's people to sing. The Psalms, again, are songs. They're often prayers declaring the truths of God, sometimes in specific historical, literal, real-life situations. And here's one of those that we find here in Psalm 60. Look at the superscription there. To the choir master, according to the Shushan Eduth. Now, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but we'll go with it. A mictum of David for instruction. When he strove with Aram Nahiram and with Aram Zobah, when Joab, on his return, struck down 12,000 of Edom in the valley of salt. O God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses. You have been angry. O restore us. You have made the land to quake. You have torn it open. Repair its breaches, for it totters you have made your people see hard things you have given us wine to drink that made us stagger you have set up a banner for those who fear you that they may flee to it from the bow that your beloved ones may be delivered give salvation by your right hand and answer us God has spoken in his holiness with exaltation. I will divide up Shechem and portion out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom I cast my shoe. Over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go forth, O God, with our armies. O grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. When God's people face difficult days, difficult days are part of this life. That is a fact. And we know that's a fact, don't we? We know that's true. We know that no one lives life free of difficulty. We know that even those who appear to live life above the fray, above the noise, above the trouble, even those who who seem as if they have no concerns and, and no troubles and no hardships, we know that secretly they battle, they face the very same things the rest of us face. No one is free from trouble in this life. Trouble comes in many forms. 
expresses itself in many ways, and it tends to do so often. I always think back when, when I'm reading about the, the facts of life in Scripture or the, the presence of trouble and hardship and trial, I, I always think back to Job's wise, wise, wise summary of life. Life is short and full of trouble, he says. Again, we know that. We know that. And we believe that to be true. And yet, when difficult days come, they send us for a tailspin, don't they? We know that there's going to be trouble in this life, but when it comes, it undoes us. We get upset, we get frustrated, we get discouraged, we get depressed, we lose heart, we lose joy, we question God. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to God's people? We question, don't we? Lord, I, I'm trying to, to do what's right. I, I just, got, just got things right in my, right in my life and it just seems like I, I was, I'm, I'm walking with you. Things are, are going well. I'm, I'm living for you. I'm, why is this happening to me? Now, we also know, of course, that not only will we face difficult days, but we know also that the Bible actually answers all of these questions that difficult days raise in our minds and hearts. We know the Bible has the answers. The Bible teaches us the reasons behind difficult days, why they are here, why do we face them, what's going on. Well, there are various answers to that question, depending on the circumstance and depending on what God is doing and how God is working. Sometimes difficulty comes in our life as the result of sin, either our sin or someone else's sin against us. Consequences of sin and actions and words Sometimes difficulty comes because we, we live in a fallen world. Uh, creation simply doesn't operate as it should because it lies under a blanket of, of darkness. Sometimes difficulty comes into our lives because evil is present in this world. Sometimes difficulty comes because God is teaching us something. There is a lesson that God has for us, a lesson that we need. And we would not learn it. We would not pay attention to it. It, it would not grasp us apart from the difficulty. It's the difficulty that takes us to the schoolroom and, and opens for us our, our minds and our hearts to hear what God is teaching and revealing in our lives. It's often in the darkness that we see the light shine the brightest. Sometimes difficulty comes into our lives because God is, is reaching and he's pulling us. We've, we've, we, our affections have turned from the Lord and turned to the world and he's once again calling us to himself. He's tearing us away from the grips of this world that we might cling to him and, and 
might once again find that our true joy and true satisfaction are in him. Sometimes difficulty comes that that God might strengthen our faith, that that our faith might be rooted deeper in Christ and in the scripture, in truth, in God's promises. No matter the difficulty, no, no matter the reason, we know God has a purpose, God has a reason, God is working, and through it all, he's working so that all things, working all things together for the good of those who love him. Now, Psalm 60 is born out of difficult days. The enemies of God's people, they have, they have attacked God's people at, at a time of their weakness. Joab, the commander of Israel's forces, has gone to face another conflict. And so Israel lies there unprotected. And Edom plans to move in while Joab is away that that they might attack and take the upper hand. That's what's going on. That's where we we land in in Psalm 60. Difficult days. And here are three things for us to remember. Three observations from Psalm 60. For us as believers to remember in difficult days. In verses 1 through 5, the first thing is God disciplines his people that they might return to him. That they might return to him. That's the purpose of discipline, restoration. And in fact, that's the very prayer, isn't it, that... We find in verse 1, oh, restore us. And that's exactly what God is doing through his disciplining hand. David acknowledges that God is the one who is ultimately working here in this situation. Now, it is the Edomites who are attacking. But David cries, oh, God, you have rejected us. So so he sees in this attack on the people of God that, that God is speaking. God is saying something. Through this. Edom is a a secondary means. God is the primary mover. God is the primary mover in this situation. To discipline his people. Their idolatry. Their their forgetfulness of God. In other words, God sent Edom to attack Israel in Joab's absence. To get Israel's attention. To get them to wake up and turn to the Lord. To let go of their sins and run to the Lord. And God works the same way today, doesn't he? God sends difficult days in our lives. Sometimes our means of God disciplining us. That we, we've been wayward. We've strayed. We've grown numb, spiritually numb and, and apathetic. And God is waking us that we might return to him. Could it be that one of, one of the many things that God may be doing in days of this worldwide pandemic is a wake-up call to his people? Could it be that the the violence and the upending of morality and in our day 
when right is, is being taught to be wrong and wrong is being taught to be right, could it be that this is a wake-up call for God's people? That we are under the disciplinary hand of the Lord. So will we wake up or will we hit the snooze button? Are we hitting the snooze button? If we are in days of a wake-up call, what's it going to take to wake us up? David says, you, you've made the land to quake. In, in other words, God has removed all the stability that, that Israel once enjoyed. They, they don't feel as, as undefeatable as they used to feel. They don't feel as, as comforted and, and as secure in themselves and, and in their forces as they used to feel. They, they feel a little bit threatened. They, they thrill a, feel a little bit vulnerable and, and out in the open. The things are unstable. God is tearing things apart. If 2020 has a message for the church today, is it not that God has removed the stability that we've enjoyed for so long? Coming and going as we please, enjoying the the blessings of, of living in a land that our Christian values and Christian morals and the truth of Christianity were there were always remnants around. There, there was always a, a safety safety zone a a safety net uh, some type of at least a remnant of a cultural agreement of what is right and wrong and and we don't find that anymore feels a little bit insecure a little bit vulnerable things have have shaken up from covid to our election to seems like an enormous amounts of floods and fires this year the bible is always relevant isn't it david is crying out you you have made the land to quake you have torn it open repair its its breaches for it totters it's it's it just seems like it's so unsure david goes on to say you have made your people see hard things Hard things, difficult things, heart-wrenching things. You see, my friends, what's happening here is we, we can look out across the landscape and, and we, can, we can observe events from purely a, a world's perspective or we can take a step back and see that what's going on in the world is not separate from, not, not totally distinct from God, the creator. And he is doing a work for the good of his people. David could have looked around and laid the difficulty that they were facing solely at the feet of their enemies, at the feet of Edom. Or he could discern that God is disciplining his people, using this foreign army to invade and attack that his people might return to him. This is a lesson for us to learn. We can... We can seek to explain natural disaster by appealing to global warming. We can 
seek to explain inequality and injustice in terms of power and privilege, we can come up with a worldview that is solely viewed by the world. We, we can explain things in, in purely worldly terms, or we can look to God, the creator of all, sustainer of all, provider of all, and see that sin is at the root and the gospel is the cure. Repentance is the cure. Faith is the cure. In fact, that's exactly what David does here in Psalm 60, doesn't he? He cries for God to be merciful. Oh, restore us. Repair the breaches. He sees God's path also of of restoration, how, how God's going to restore, how God's going to repair. God has, God, has already, God has already set the path of, of restoration there before them. Look at verses 4 and 5. You have set up a banner for those who fear you that they may flee to it from the bow that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer us. David is praying, God, restore us. God, repair us. And and then he declares, God's already done a work for that. If we would simply turn to the Lord and cry for his mercy, we too would discover that God has already made provision. It's not that God has not done anything. That he's not concerned, that he's not involved. He's already made provision for our restoration. He's already made provision for this world. He has already made provision for inequality and injustice and racism. He has already set up a banner, and that banner is Christ. In these days, the, the banner would, would rally the troops, rally the, rally the armies. It would be the, the gathering point. It would be the place that you would, would meet and, and make your stand and, and go forward to meet the enemy. That place is Christ for us and in him. It's already there. Christ has already been given he's already victorious he's already savior that we might flee to him that we might be delivered that we might be saved if we would flee to him we would find that's what this banner does saves and delivers difficult days are god's means of discipline it's god's ways of forcing us forcing us to take our eyes off this world to take our eyes off of our own resources and our own answers and our own view of things and look to the banner that he has set up God disciplines his people that that we might return to him. A second thing to remember in difficult days, God distinguishes between his people and his enemies. We see this in verses 6 through 8. God begins to speak, right? David has cried out, and now God speaks. Verse 6 says, God has spoken in his holiness, in, in his perfection. 
in his absolute divine being, in his holiness, God has made a declaration, a statement. And you see what God is declaring here in verses 6, 7, and 8. God is declaring that the land of his people and the land of his enemies, all of it, all of it belongs to God. It is all his. Everything under the sun and everything above the sun, everything belongs to God. It's his possession. It's his land. Now, there's various people occupying it, but it belongs to God. In verse 6, Shechem and Succoth were lands promised to God's people, but yet to be inhabited. But God will remain true to his promise. That will be the land for my people. It's mine. Verse 7, Gilead and Manasseh and Ephraim and Judah all refer to the the land of God's people. But in verse 8, Moab and Edom and Philistia all refer to the lands of, of God's enemies. But every single one of them are under God's domain. Just because you do not believe in God doesn't make him any less God. Just because you reject the Lord and and reject his sovereignty over your life doesn't make him any less sovereign over your life. God knows those who are his. God knows where they are, knows where they live, and he knows those who are not his, and he rules over every single one. There, There is not a person on the planet who is outside of the domain of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is just as he did in the days of Noah, right? In the days of Noah, the Lord ruled over every single person, and yet he distinguished between his people and his enemies. It's the same just as he did in the days of the Exodus, right? He, he, he rules over every nation. He, he rules over Egypt. He demonstrated that in the, in the plagues. And yet he made a distinction between his people and his enemies. Just as he does here in Psalm 60. He, he rules over all. It's all his. He's sovereign over all. Yet he makes a distinction between his people and his enemies. This is so that we might, as his people, take heart. That while we might and do often endure difficult days, God knows his people and he rules over every people. No one is outside of God's sovereign hand. We do not have to worry or fret about how events unfold in our world and in our nation God rules over all, and he distinguishes. He knows his people. I'll just use this as as an example. I, I don't know about you, but we were on vacation on election day, and I set up to 12.30 on election night. Did any of you set up late watching watching the results come in? 12.30, I gave up, went to bed. Results being reported and projected. Interesting thing about that map of the U.S. that they kept bringing up, you know. The entire map of the U.S. was divided into two colors, wasn't it? Red and blue, or shades of red and blue, and then each state and each county, and on and on and on. 
as they would talk about what's happening and what's coming in. But it was almost stunning, wasn't it, to, to just to just observe there and to see by geography and, and by population just how divided we are and just where all the divisions are. What's red? What's blue? But as God's people, we know God reigns over red and blue. It's all his. God is bigger than Democrat. God is bigger than Republican. We tend to divide everything, shade everything a different color, call everything a different label, everything and everyone. What unites everything on the planet is that God rules over all. It's all his. We tend to put our hopes in far, far less institutions and people and ways The scripture says right here, doesn't it? Vain is the salvation of man. I'm all for fighting for freedom. I'm all for voting. I'm all for doing all we can to preserve our biblical morality and values and truths. And you do all you can, but at the end of the day, you don't worry. You don't fret. Why? Because... God has his eyes on all of his people. Whether they live in a red area or a blue area, it all belongs to God and he knows his people. And some of God's people voted entirely opposite than the way you voted on election day. The way I voted. God is over all. One more thing to remember in difficult days. God delivers his people when they return to him. Verses 9 through 12. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who, who will lead me to Edom? H- have you not rejected us, O God? In other words, who, who's going to help us if God's not going to help us? You do not go forth, O God, with our armies. Oh, grant us help against the foe. Vain is, is the salvation of man. This is, man can't help us here. We need God. That, that, that may be exactly where God is kind of pressing us as a people, right? As a nation, as a church, to realize man can't help us here. We, we need God. We need his salvation. Notice, God not only brought Edom to Israel to shake them up and wake them up and discipline them for departing from him. David knew it wasn't Edom alone, that God was working, God was moving. But notice, that's not the only thing God did. God also brought Joab back right in time, right in God's time. But David knew it wasn't Joab alone. God was at work delivering his people once again, faithful once again. Why? Because they had turned to him. They had recognized the the vanity of their own strength, the darkness of their own ways. They had turned to him, acknowledged their sin, cried out for his mercy, begged him to restore, to repair, and Edom was defeated that day. Not Israel. 
In fact, it says on his return, he struck down 12,000. It was not just a 51, 49 margin. It was decisive. Decisive. What a lesson for us today, especially today. With God we shall do valiantly, but without him we shall be destroyed. God has set up a banner. God's banner is here. No matter how dark or difficult the day may be, the banner is here and the banner is Christ. So when God's people faced, just just to wrap this all up for us and give us something to take away with us, when God's people face difficult days, it always comes down to this. Always remember this, dear child of God. No matter what we face, no matter what we endure, no matter what shakes and quakes around us, God is sovereign and Christ is Savior. And upon those two strengths, we shall always endure. Let's pray. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.